Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Blind Shots Podcast. I'm your host, David Hill, coming to you this week from the Fat Monkey Express at the intersection of Carthage and Beulah Hill Church Roads in West End, North Carolina. If you've made it this far, you've missed your turn. And this is episode 27. It's round four of the Americans in Pinehurst Roundtable with erstwhile friends of the show, Matt and Fred. In this episode, we discuss a bit of a Sand Hills unicorn, a relatively new golf course, by Pinehurst area standards anyway. I mean, of course, the Dormy Club, the 2010 Corn Crenshaw Masterwork, located just 10 minutes from the heart of Pinehurst. Built as a top-tier private course for a local-ish membership, Dormy Club has been available to our group through local agreement they have with Tobacco Road Travel, the travel concierge arm of Tobacco Road Golf Club. For my money, Dormy Club is one of the most interesting challenges of the Sand Hills. Any core Crenshaw designed or redesigned course is a treat to play, presenting an understated golf course usually full of strategic options and amazing green complexes, and Dormy Club is no exception. I've enjoyed two rounds there and hope to grace its vast corridors again one day. However, changes are afoot that will make accessing that loop a much rarer opportunity in the future. We discuss those changes authoritatively based on incomplete information and a total lack of concern for veracity or accuracy. So that's interesting. We also spend some time discussing a few of our favorite spots to take in the local flavor of the Pinehurst area. Even in the pre-COVID-19 days, we were content to spend our evenings around a poker table of our rental house rather than chasing last call at the local taverns. But if we have enjoyed a handful of culinary and, say, evening fair establishments worthy of your consideration should you venture down that way. Before we get to the show, a reminder that the Blind Shots podcast is a member of the Talking Golf Network of Shows, which you can find at TalkingGolf.com, just 1G, with the best roster of podcasts in the golf space. The most recent State of the Game podcast was really one you could have seen coming, with hosts Rod Morey, Jeff Shackelford, and Michael Clayton giving their reactions and insights into the USGA and RNA's recent joint statement on the, the status of their studies uh, relating to the distance issue in golf, how far people hit the ball, and how that's impacting all the different aspects of the industry, and what the governing bodies uh, plan to do about it, or what they can even do about it. Uh, they discuss how it impacts the professional game and the recreational golfer. So it's a frequent topic of theirs, and this episode is a worthy listen. You can interact with this show on Twitter at BlindShotsPod, as well as on Instagram, and I'd encourage you to do so. A reminder that the Blind Shots podcast is sponsored by me, David Hill. In addition to playing, talking, and writing about golf, I'm a licensed Kentucky realtor with Rector Hayden Realtors. I work with homeowners buying and selling their homes. also work with investors and businesses on commercial properties here in central Kentucky. You can find my contact information all about me over at davidhill.rhr.com. Again, the housing supply is tight around central Kentucky, just like everywhere else. If you want some advice navigating the market right now, buy me a virtual cup of coffee, uh, give me a call, shoot me an email, and we can start a conversation. And with that, back to the roundtable with friends Fred and Matt. start off with the Dormy Club. Uh, that is a little bit about that course. That's uh, a 2010 Corn Crenshaw. Now, I don't know, have either of you guys played another Corn Crenshaw course that you're aware of? 
I don't believe so. Okay, the big famous ones that that are accessible, I guess. Kapalua's Plantation Course, the one they play um, the Tournament of Champions at out on Maui every year. That's from the Nice. That's one of their big ones. Um, they are the most recent people to redo Pinehurst Number Two. Okay, so they're the ones that went kind of back to the nativist look, brought that back. Everything that is from has flowed from them and that renovation. The guy Kyle Franz was on their crew. The guy that has done uh, that has redone Mid Pines, Pine Needles, and is now working on Southern Pines was part of that core Crenshaw group. So all of that scraped sand, native decorative grass aesthetic kind of comes from their renovation of number two, which I think that was the one Martin Keimer won, like going away. He was the only person under par. Um, I'm trying to think. There are others, but they, they've done a lot more private work. But they built the Dormy Club in 2010. It was a, their first original course in the area, I guess. Um they're, what they are known for is uh, sort of not moving a lot of dirt, a, a naturalistic. What put them on the map was the was a course called Sand Hills uh, out in Nebraska, I believe. It's kind of the – it's at the head of the family tree of the last 25 years of golf architecture where they literally moved some microscopic amount of dirt to build that course. They just basically stumbled out into these giant sand dunes out on the prairie and found this course. So that's kind of what they're known for. And you can see some of that at Dormy Club. I mean, what um, the first thing I remember about it is just how wide it is. You know, it is the plain corridor, corridors there are vast. Uh, I mean, you can hit it in the woods if you want to. You can hit it into trouble, but you kind of have to want to um, from what I remember. There were lots of cross hazards, you know, for a... A course or for an area that I think of as ultimately very playable because of that sandy soil and you can run the ball along the ground. That course, maybe more than some of the others, has forced carries, cross bunkers, um, bends in the fairways with hills, uh, even some water wetlands like on number 10. Uh, those are things that, that kind of, but just the scale of it being, it's so much wider than maybe something like uh, pine, even pine needles with its big plain quarters. I, I thought Dormy, with the angles that it had, was a little friendlier off the tee. So I don't know what you guys remember. Fred, I'll, I'll tee you up. Just kind of first impressions from what you remember from Dormy Club as far as just the look and and what you felt maybe standing on that first tee. Um, the, the, you're correct. I mean, that first the first tee, their first fairways probably 150 yards wide. At least it looks like it from the team. I mean, it it would be hard-pressed to miss that fairway, if you ask me. But, I mean, anyway, uh, I would say that, yes, you know, the first impression is, you know, it is very wide. There are some carries. A a lot of the corners, you know, Mm -hmm. um, of the dog legs all have some type of hazard. And, um and it seems like they have, um, yeah, at the at the corners when there are no bunkers, 
they they almost I'll refer to them as bumpers, right? Those native areas, they kind of have some moguls there, some native grass, and I call those like kind of bumpers from keeping it going, you know, off of the reservation, so to speak. So um, th- that's what you see from the tee, but that course that course comes down to me. Um, you know, standing on the tee box, it doesn't wow me really, but it's the green complexes that are um, that set that one completely apart from most other courses you're going to play. I mean, if you stand on a lot of those tee boxes, it, there's you know there's not a lot of um, breathtaking views, I'll call them, or, or you know looking out there and saying, oh my gosh, this hole, how am I going to play this? It's you know you just hit it and then you hope you get it around the green somewhere favorable. Um, uh, the greens are big, the greens are quick, and there's a lot of movement in the green. Um, I can't think of many places, you know, even when we played, you know, mid pines and, you know, right there around Pinehurst itself that you could run a ball onto the green more. I mean, Mm -hmm. some of those holes actually force you to do it. Right. Uh, The one that jumps off, you know, off the page is what is it? Number four, um, that long par four, that kind of a little dog leg left down around the corner toward the, with the lane behind it to the right. Yeah. You can't hit that green in the air and probably hold it very well. I mean, you have to play it off to the left, and it takes a big bounce and runs over. Um, there's one on the back nine. I think that's like 15 is the par four that you hit over oh, the yeah. water. Yeah, you can't land valley. that ball in the green. Yeah, you can't land a ball on that green either. You, you have to land it over top of this little this little rise where you can't even see it, and then next thing you know, you see it bounding over to the to the right toward the green. So I think that's what um, that's what sets that course apart for me. You know, that's what I truly remember more than anything else. Um, even the even the holes that you know look pretty straightforward. There there's a lot of undulation on the on the edges of the greens. So the greens are smaller than they appear. Like the playing surface is smaller than it appears because yeah. um, the ball will roll off. Um, yeah, there's bunkers in very, very strategic places, so they will run off toward a bunker. Um, but that, that's what I, that's what I'd stake from it. You, you were spot on by the openness, but the green complexes are, are, are fascinating. Well, and, and you're very perceptive there. Cause I think that's a, another theme that they're kind of known for. They are one of the architects of the, the width and angles school. Like they, they give you enough rope to hang yourself off the tee. Because like you said, it doesn't look like there's a whole lot of trouble and you can kind of just get it out there. But then all of a sudden you, you realize, oh, I'm in the wrong section, the wrong quadrant of this giant fairway. And with this particular pin placement, I'm absolutely dead. I've got to – all of a sudden my shot becomes miraculous rather than – Okay, I'm in the fairway. I can just throw the ball up there and spin it on the green because you're right, Fred. Those that hard sandy grass, you're not going to hold it, um, and it is an ultimate kind of risk reward. I think you know I saw it a little bit more that second time I played it because the first time I was like you, I was just like, okay, this is great. I can't lose a ball. This is you know so well, I can, but it you know that's us. Um, but if you if you want to cut those corners, I feel like there's there was always a good balance of the risk and the reward. Like if you go for the, if you try to fly the corner and you make it, okay, you're super close and all of a sudden you can put some loft on the ball and maybe hold a green. But if you don't, you're going to hit a bunker or bumper or some mogul or um, something like that. And even to the mogul point, there are some where 
there's a lot of rub of the green too. Like I'm, I'm thinking of some of the fairway bounces and some of the, because the ball spends so much time on the green or on the ground, there's a lot more left to chance. I feel like there. So uh, I'll kind of throw it over, but just on the width and the scale of it, Matt, did you have any particular memories? Well, it's um, it's a lot of what you guys have talked about. First off, it, it would be on somebody like Fred May who doesn't hit a giant power draw with a hook to say he couldn't possibly miss a fairway. I assure you I could find a way, um, you know. But uh, other than that, no, I, the first tee is, is exactly, you know, the one that sticks out in my head, too, because when we, you know, I didn't play, I didn't get a chance to get down there with you guys last time you went. So the last time I played, that course was the first trip to Pinehurst, and it was the first course on the first morning of the first trip to Pinehurst. So it was kind of walking down there like, OK, what, you know, what are we, I didn't quite know what to expect. And I walk out there, I'm like, oh. Wow. Okay. Well, this is this is comfortable, um, <laughs> and you know, but you're exactly right, Dave. I I remember it's comfortable from the tee for those folks that are are likely to spray the ball a little bit, right? Again, if you I mean if you put a you know a snap hook or a a, a wicked slice on it, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be in trouble. But if you push it a little, pull it a little, you're gonna be okay. But I remember the, the the takeaway feel I had from that course was exactly what you were talking about, where somehow, even though there's this tremendous amount of of missable, you know, not horrible missable area, you still end up needing to a, a significant degree of accuracy to to not put up a big number there. Right. Um, I seem to remember playing reasonably well and getting to the end and being like, huh. That's there's that's a that's a ninety something I think it was you know it didn't feel like that because you didn't miss all that many fairways and you could be around the greens but it's exactly what you said if you're in the wrong part you know sort of mid pines ish on steroids I guess right like it's a a much bigger area but same concepts same strategies involved and you know you mentioned the word comfortable and I don't know if we're the exactly the right guys to enjoy dormy club or the exact wrong ones because i i think that's a pretty hard course for really good players like people that want to you know try to make a lot of birdies just because of those those greens but you know our i played that first round we played up a tee box uh maybe from where we should but the the forced carries long car trip i wanted to set everybody up for success well i was playing in a group with our friend clay who's a high handicapper you know he's a legitimate high 20s low 30s handicap he hits the ball hard, but he doesn't always know where it's going. He had a great front nine there. We were just making money hand over fist that round because he could run it. He could use his seven iron. He could use his pitching wedge. He could putt it from off the green in front of a lot of those greens and get it up close and two putt for his par, his net par, and have a grand time. So it was it, a lot of that. There was a comfortable, and I think that's kind of the brilliance of that course. And we're we're not in either of those camps, so we get a little bit of taste of the comfort and a little bit of taste of the the strategy. And like you said, we look down and all of a sudden we've we've gotten our tails kicked in on the scorecard. Like, how did that happen? I was I had a fun day. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's the most fun ninety one I've ever shot. Um, you know, another thing, kind of on the scale and the place, there are no, other than the tee boxes, there are no flat lies on that course, but this the the 
terrain is so gently sloping that you don't really notice it. It's not stark like at a, a tobacco road, but you're always a little uphill or a little downhill or the ball is a little above your feet or a little below, and it just adds that adds that extra little pressure to your game, which you get that at several of the, the Pinehurst area courses. But I thought I, – I felt like they used it a little more evilly or maliciously than some of the other courses because you maybe you had to hit a fade into a pin and all of a sudden the ball is ankle high or vice versa, something like that, where if you weren't in the right spot – it was just another way that you were out of position. Um, Dave, do you think that comes from um, what you mentioned earlier, where where they're not really known for moving a lot of dirt? Do you think that 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 comes from that? Oh, sure. I, I think those ridges and those hills are. They probably had. Um, I don't think they moved a lot of fairway dirt there. I think they found a lot of those holes. You know, they they shaped some of those greens where the contours are obvious and, and unnatural, but. I think um, even the you know some of the signature holes, what I'd consider signature holes, there. I think they found those for the large part. Um, so you know, I don't. Oh, go, go ahead. No, please. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to get ahead of this, and you may bring this up, but if I don't mention it now, I'll probably forget. Um, but I think uh, that uh, that idea of not moving a lot of dirt, you know, is great. And like you said, they found a lot of those signature holes. But I, I would, I would venture a guess that that is the reason why 18 is um, is as uh, unimpressive as it is. I think that uh, from almost any course I've ever played, 18 at Dormy is probably the most uh, meh out of all of them. You know, I mean, you're coming right off of. Oh, sorry, you're coming right off of 17, and I would say that that's one of their signature holes. A couple holes back, like we talked about, like 15. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's pretty dramatic. And then you walk up, you know, you come off of that green on 17. You walk up to the tee box, and you're like, "What the heck is this? Is that the parking lot? No, that's you know." <laughs> Um, so I think that that comes into that, that, you know, they found all those great holes, but then they didn't have a place to put the clubhouse. Right. Right. They had, they had to make it back there somehow. That's exactly Um, right. They had that number one and number 18 are usually the most or the least interesting holes. Very rarely are you going to get those being the best holes on the course because you've got to get back to the clubhouse. You've got to, and, and we'll talk at the end a little bit about what's going on down there. Um, but yeah, I think 17 is one of the best holes there, and that's a long, gentle run up, and then you hit that dune where you've got. If you get too close, it's a it's a three shot hole for our skill level, I think. Um, big long par five up the hill, and then you've got kind of that knob at the end of it. Um, but yeah, to your point earlier, Fred, I think the greens and the green complexes, even more specifically, really are the stars of that show um, at at Dormy Club. Most of them, like I said, you can bounce on. You don't really need a lob wedge. Sure, there are some places. If you're in a bunker, you want one. Um, on a lot of those shots down there, that, that sand is punishing. Um, but my favorite thing, this is what I took away from both rounds I've played down there, is that it really, I felt the freedom to be creative in the short game. I w- There are a lot of shots where I was comfortable with my, 54 degree wedge there were a lot where i was really comfortable with my 46 degree pitching wedge 
I putted with a seven iron a couple of times just to get the ball rolling if I felt like I had good distance control. And I don't know if there are many other courses down there that give you that kind of freedom because you're not not constrained with bunker left, bunker right, bunker long on every hole. You know, you've got some variety there. And Matt, as somebody that is prone to keeping the ball closer to the ground, um, but with so much tight turf there too, you know, there's not a there's there's not three inch rough that you're hacking out of. That's part of the width. Um, so what <laughs> do you remember that being a positive experience or uh, something else? No, I I think it overall I remember it being generally positive. Um, like you said, I'm not. I'm more likely to, you know, to bump and run in in situations that maybe I shouldn't um, than than the average person. And so, oh, so you're one of those like wokesters that, that that just hates loft. You'll never have a lob wedge. You'll never have anything 55 <laughs> degrees or higher. I well, I've, I never have up to this point. I never say <laughs> never. You never know. Who knows? But um, up to this point, no. I was I was the guy playing. Uh, you know, playing Carnoustie with a pitching wedge only. So, you know, that's, that should tell you everything you need to know. But yeah, no, I, uh, any, any chance to run it along the ground, I will take that as, uh, as a blessing. Fred, you're the one you mentioned that the, you know, the greens really did it for you. The green complexes, what, what stood out about them to you? Um, kind of like I got to mention before on the, the undulation, um, you know, a lot of times you look down and, and some of the courses we play, the green complexes are the green that's kind of perched up a little bit and there's rough all around it and there's bunkers, right? So if you if you fly it over the green or you bounce it over, it's going to it's not going to go very far, right? Um, down there, if you miss the green, it, it might run 20 yards into the pond or 20 yards past the green, down the hill, through the trees over to the next fairway um and and to matt's point you know i i do like to get the ball in the air a little more um i'm not afraid to you know try to try to put a little check on something from time to time but it is there are some tight lies there now i know that there's people out there that will jump up and down and say well you need a tight lie to put spin on the ball and that's you know good ball strikers whatever i don't care but when you look down there and that ball looks like it's laying on some linoleum in your kitchen right i don't care who you are as you said a couple times dave our skill level that's gonna make you get just a little tighter right i mean those hands gotta be just so to make that to make that contact. golf is a great game when you're when you're a little bit nervous when you when you're a little bit tight yeah that it always works better right that's works, yeah. works well. <laughs> I mean why wouldn't you right <laughs> I mean I I hit several shots down there that I didn't get uh, one groove underneath of right I mean I foreheaded those things <laughs> man I mean it was gone and there was a couple of them that I hit like I was Phil Mickelson's, you know, third cousin, right? I mean, and they just checked right up. So there's there's a lot of room in between there. And to Matt's point, you know, um, you know, running the ball along the ground is great. Um, um, but sometimes you can't do it. Sometimes you wish you could. Uh, but well, that's what I take away from it. And sometimes you remember that those greens have grain on them. And sometimes you forget. 
And when you're bounding the ball around the green, it's important to know whether that is that's shining because it's running away from you or it's a little bit lighter because it's coming back towards you. That that does make a fair bit of difference. Um, you know, the my only criticism, I guess, from those greens, they are so big that it, it's almost too easy to have an out-of-position three-putt. I, I hate a three-putt. I loathe it. Um, I feel like I have the yips if I've left myself in a position to to hit a th- you know three putts on the same green and those things are enormous i was looking at some aerials before we hopped on here just just google maps and juxtapositioning some of the courses i play for my home course here kearney hill has some big greens it's got a couple uh, 13 I'm trying to think of some of the others um you know 18 is good size and they you could land both of those on a couple of those greens and not just width depth you know every every possible shape dormy club has it as you're you know from the fairway or from the approach and it just it seemed like it was you could get lost on there pretty easily so i i don't know if you guys had that experience maybe you knocked it close all day but that was that was something that i remember vividly i think if i think it fits perfectly though with that course the same you know same thing we said about the fairways right you can you miss a little bit congratulations you hit the green now you have a hundred foot putt that breaks <laughs> 19 feet yeah right like you you don't you hit the green so you feel like okay i i hit the you know i'm, I'm on the green in two except it's you know unimaginably difficult to get yourself up there for a kick-in right and you, you know I didn't go back and compare scores from the two times I've played it. There's a couple hundred yards difference between the, the tees, Matt, that you played and, and that we played. Um, again, mainly I tried to limit some forced carries. And it changed some angles on some of those holes. But, um, you know, some of the, the what I consider the really signature holes, that that didn't affect it. Uh, I think number three is just a a brilliant hole, an evil hole, definitely a signature hole. It was one, um, you know, from the up tee, John Mark tried to drive it. You know, it was not long. He was up the hill, and if he really got into that's, one... That's he, the first time that's happened. Right. He, you know, our, our friend could have gotten up that sandy soil, tried to run it up there. Um, from a more appropriate tee, it's a wedge. It's a driver wedge or, or you know, long long shot and then a, a quite a bit shorter shot. But... We all missed that green. I was in a bunker about 12 feet away from the pin, and I played, I don't know, 60, 90 degrees away from the pin just to try to keep it on the green and couldn't. I ended up down in the approach. It's this big multi-tiered surface that all is its really deep, so it's really high in the back and really low in the front, and it just wants to come off the green. Fred's ball with a little check and a little spin on it. No, you don't want to hit that there because guess what that ball wants to do? It wants to come back. It wants to go to its home and find its level at the bottom of that valley. So we had it, it's um, and it's one of those. It's a wide fairway, and you know it's like okay, yes, I've got a short club in my hand. I got a wedge, and it will just absolutely depending on the pin position, it will absolutely rip your heart out and feed it to you. And that's one of those things that's unique to golf you love it and you hate it equally at the same time and you don't know why your thoughts <laughs> i don't love it <laughs> <laughs> mm. oh, there you go 
<laughs> well said. For some reason, I think when we played it the first time around, we didn't have that pin on that tiny little front right shelf. So it was. I went back and looked at the pictures. We had a kind of middle of the green, middle tier, much easier go of it. But there yeah, were, I was going to say, I, I don't remember it being as evil, but that's probably because, you know, I hit it somewhere and then left it short and had to bump it up the hill to the middle of the green. And, you know, that was that was like every other hole. This was like the eighth of eight pin positions, and it was on a, a little flat spot about the size of a hubcap. And that was, um, yeah, we had that was adventures. I think that was the first triple and quad we saw that day. And we were all it around. It wasn't because of lost balls or penalty strokes. It was because we couldn't get the ball and keep the ball on the green. Um, so a little bit of brilliance there. What I consider one of their their signature holes. Um, the, the aforementioned number seventeen, long par five up the hill. I mean that's that's really kind of the epic closing stretch hole. Eighteen. I, I agree with you, Fred. I think they were a little bit hamstrung of where they had to go with that. Um, it's an interesting green, but yeah, the aesthetic from the 18th tee looking up the hill, you're like, eh, what am I hitting at? 17, um, you know, that's that's a whole – it reminds me of one at Dale Hollow. Matt, I don't know if you remember that where you've got a, a low tee box and you're going – you know, you can see the green way up the hill, way off in the distance, and you, you, know, you know it's going to be a long trek. Um, this one you've got a little bit of sand separating the end of the fairway and a, a really wild green complex. Um, but those were kind of my two epic holes, and I'll, I'll come back to another. Hey, were there any other favorites or, or least favorites? Uh, it sounds like Fred has has his thoughts on number three pretty well settled. Anything else you have strong opinion about? Um, yes, yes, I do. Um, so what we were saying, um, you know, eighteen is is kind of uh, we'll call it flat. We'll, we'll we'll try to be as as nice as possible. I'm still waiting for them, you know, the folks at Burmy Club to call me on my suggestions on where to put the clubhouse and you know make number eighteen number one. It's coming 17. right around the corner, bud. Yeah, don't you worry. You're you're next on their list. I bet. I mean, you know, they're gonna have to you know just burn all that money that they're spending on that new clubhouse and move it. But it's, I mean, I'm telling you, it's a moneymaker, but anyway, um, so for, let's see. So you, the one we just talked about was three, the, the dog leg down to the left that we talked about number four. I, I like that hole. I think that one yes. is, is, is very appealing even for a guy who doesn't hit a big rope, you know, draw down through there. I mean, Matt, if you got a hold of one of those, your your typical power draw, that thing might run 150 yards down that hill. Dave, do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, he that's I mean, one for him. The temptation is to get too close, and all of a yeah. sudden, you can't stop the ball at the green because no. you're you're bounding <laughs> on the ground. Right. Um, um, but, we were all relatively close, you know, off the tee. I mean, of course, I was back a little ways, but Matt, you know, I took the old, you know seven wood and landed it short left of the green and it bounded off of this big hill rolled up to like i don't know 15 20 feet and then you know i was i was grooving right that was that that, that hole was fun um then you have uh then you have a few other holes the the next par five is up the um, hill is yeah i mean that's that is an unimpressive hole if you ask me i'm trying to you know i'm not trying to be negative but that's there's not much to that. You know, you you can't see where you're going. You get to the top, you know, you're driving up over the hill, can't see where it lands. 
um, you get up there and it's it's wait it's wait a point, long well, hold on point of parliamentary procedure. You yeah. do understand that this is the Blind Shots podcast. No, I wasn't going to mention that. I was going to say that we had this conversation before. In my opinion on that show, much like my opinion now. Um, but anyway. He's mad. He ended up in a fairway bunker, and I found the speed slot. So, you know. Yeah, that'll do it. So you, yeah, well, what, and and the, we were there was 100 yards in between us. That's what I was going to say. The hole looks different 150 yards back there. I know. No, to the right. No, I mean, and I really thought I hit it well, too. That was the <laughs> kick in the shorts. <laughs> but, um, um, you know, the, the par threes, uh, you know, there's a couple of them that are long, longer. Yeah. But, you know, for the most part, there's 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 short ones in there, too. Um, I think that they play, you know, open. Dave, what hole is it? What hole is it on the back nine? Um, it's right after that really pretty par three and maybe the back nine. Um, the pond is on the uh, on your left. Um, the fairway has a giant hill. It's uh, number ten. A, number ten. Oh, That's the one I got Lord. lost in the wetlands down there. Had to take the yeah. L on that one. The my, is that what you're talking about? I don't big think so. big boomerang par five from right to left. I don't think it's a par five. I think it's a par four. Okay. But but anyway, I I mean Matt, it was it was soul crushing, bud. I mean, it was a little windy. I I really hit a good drive. I get to the to the top of this hill, and I'm like, oh, it's still rolling. I thought it was going to roll over the hill, but it decided to roll all the way back down the hill toward me. Almost went into the water. <laughs> um, and that was another hole that yeah. the you know these guys were like you know a hundred and twenty yards further down than I was, and I mean I could have teed it up in the fairway and hit my driver, and suddenly I got to the green. I mean, it was soul crushing. Yeah, that what was beautiful the, hole. That was number eight. That, oh. Number eight oh. with the moguls where it kicked you around. Yeah, and that one had a then had a green that was like eighty yards long. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And, and we all ended, I ended up way left of it, but. Um, oh, you're right. That big boomerang par par five was number ten. Yeah. That, that has the that has the wetlands at the bend of it. Right. I tried right, to carry right, that right and in the elbow. Failed right. miserably. Yeah. So yeah. just circle eight yeah. and concede the hole at that at that point, um, um, which played significantly different being back at T box. That was one of the ones that got me. Yes, it did. Um, but I mean, th- that's what I take. I mean, you know, again, would I go down and play it tomorrow? Absolutely. Um, but I think a lot of the, we'll call it feast and famine on those holes because they have some absolutely awesome holes that I would just play over and over and over. And then there's some that I'd be like, yeah, nah, I'm okay. Right. <laughs> they're, they're just very flat. We'll call them flat. I'm trying to try not to be negative here, but, right. um, not but your cup of tea. Flat. You're allowed to dislike things. Yeah. Um, but I, that's, that's what I take. You know, there are some that they found, they found some beautiful holes and they present them very well. Mm-hmm. Um, the the green complexes, like we said, are are fabulous. You know that that brings that brings everyone a little closer. You know, uh, long hitters still have a problem. Short hitters have a problem. It all still comes down to you know trying to get up and down from you know fifty yards of the ball. Yeah. So um, I think that's I think I'll leave it there and I'll uh, turn it over to to Matt for his uh, his. 
with full insight. I uh, that's 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 quite a it's quite a tease there. I'm afraid I'm gonna not be able to live up to that. Now, the, I mean, you guys covered a lot of it. Um, the only other thing that I would say is I, I thought I thought like you've said, you know, 18 is kind of fizzles. Um, but the closing stretch before that, I thought they did a good job. 15, 16, 17 coming back in there, I think is, it's a really nice way to, Hey, you can, you know, if you're, if you're in a match play situation, you can get a couple back or you can balloon up and, and, you know, lose a match right down that stretch. It kind of gives you the opportunity to do both things. So, um, you know, I, I kind of wish the course would have ended on 17 a little bit. <laughs> not, that I, not that I love ending on par fives, but, um, but I, I thought that 15, 16, 17 stretch was very nice. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, you know, I think for kind of the way we've described it, I think there, there's a lot of interest in the par threes. I think it does. I think it presents some, some fun ones. You've got a, a good downhill when you've got a one with a, a long forced carry, um, but you got seven. You had a, a nice long force carry. You had, um, yeah, I guess it's 16 that you've got that big play down the hill with some native grass. Uh, big, deep, deep green. That's one of those where you can be, um, you know, if it's a front pin and you're on the back of the green, you're 100, 150 feet away. Um, it was interesting. We, uh, when we were there, there was a twosome walking it behind us, and they caught us. I don't know. I guess on eight, we let them or nine t, we let them play through. Um, and I'm glad they were. I'm glad I saw them because they were taking. That's one of those courses, kind of like Tobacco Road, where you think, why would anyone ever walk this? But there, are, uh, there are walking paths from green to tee that really shorten. I mean, we've got you got the cart path has to go way out of the way to get around whatever a wetland, a dense little forest thicket, whereas you know the the walkers have cut a mulch path, almost on a direct line. So that would be. That would be something fun to experience again. I thought nine was a good um, par three. Where you, again, it's one of the ones you have kind of a forced carry situation, which you don't necessarily associate with uh, Sand Hills or Core Crenshaw. Um, but you know, it's a six or seven iron in your hand to a, a pretty big multi-tiered green. Um, so I thought that provided some interest and some spark. Um, We'll circle back on the the Dormy Club itself, but any other closing thoughts? Anything I haven't brought up? Um, it, it lovely place. I would play it again in a heartbeat. Um, so I will I will miss it possibly going out of the rotation. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up with you guys is a, a just a little bit of taste of Pinehurst. Um, we've talked around this a little bit, but um, you know Matt and I like to cook. For our guys when we're down there, I do breakfast, and Matt occasionally will do dinner if we can bring something. Um, pre pre COVID days when we used to be able to do that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, when we when we could do that kind of thing safely. Um, but we'll just plug a couple of places that we have enjoyed there. Um, Dugan's uh, little tavern right downtown. Uh, God bless him. Right in the center of town. Uh, easy, you know, good pub food. Uh, I would say super comfortable atmosphere. You can get a. I'm sure you can get a pour of about anything you want there. Good local flavor. Um, 
they, local local flavor and nightlife, I guess. Um, we had some experiences. What I'll let you guys fill in on this story. One of the reasons I will always be a loyal Dugan's customer. The first time we went down there, we started the cradle at six, and I think we got off the green maybe at nine, like ten till nine. We went around a couple of times. They just little known fact. They will just let you keep going around. Um, and since there's no there's no locks, there's no locked gate from there. So it was good and dark by the time we finished uh, our first two loops around the cradle. We didn't know that the town of Pinehurst basically closes at nine o'clock on Sundays. And so in a mad scramble, walking to the car, trying to figure out every little restaurant had closed, closed, closing in five minutes. Um that sort of thing. So all of a sudden, as trip captain, I'm in a full-blown panic because I've got no food and I've got eight guys that you know need food, uh, or else I'm going to look like the bad guy. So I call Dugan's and they say the kitchen closes in five minutes. I say, please, if we're there, if we're there in four, will you still make food? And there was this long, pregnant pause. It says, if you guys make it in four minutes, I'll cook for you. So we load into I don't know two or three cars. Another fun fact about Pinehurst, there are no straight roads. Like, there, I guess technically there's a straight shot from the Pinehurst Clubhouse to the Carolina Inn right in the center of town. But everything else, it's an Olmstead Park layout. So there's these concentric circles. And if you have to go someplace where there's a turn involved at night at high speed, you, I might as well have been just driving right through people's front yards. We took <laughs> – we, I, I took a switchback path, and somehow, eventually, like I, someone saw a sign said, "Hey, there's Dugans," and so we go rushing in. Um, and good to his word, the owner came out, um, chastised us a little bit for how late it was, but you know what? He went back there, and I had the best fried chicken sandwich I think I'd ever had that night. Um, and then the local flair, you know, it's a bar tavern as well as as a kitchen. Um, so, so we got to interact with some of the locals, which was fun. But uh, if you, I tell people to go there. If anyone ever mentions they're going to do or going to Pinehurst, say, "Hey, you got to stop by in there." Did you guys have any fun recollections? Uh, <laughs> Matt, go ahead. Uh, it's, uh, you know, that's why I said when as soon as you brought it up, Dugans, you know, I said, "God bless them." They, they have always treated us so nicely when we're in there. Um, and yeah, the, you know, the, the tavern atmosphere, the, uh, the, the folks that maybe should have left, uh, you know, an hour ago that are, that are still there are sometimes, uh, sometimes a good time for people watching. Um, but no, it, I mean, I, cause I think what the first time we were there, we ate there twice. I believe we came yeah. back another night if I remember correctly and sat in the big dining room area. Yeah, there is. Um, a, that's right. Yeah, I totally forgot. There is a big dining room area with a proper menu, and um, yep. I don't. I don't know that anybody. You know, some people maybe want to go for steak and lobster or a big heavy meal after an all day golf. Not me. Give me a burger and something cold to drink, and I'm. I'm happy like you to people watch and just sit and be. And that's a that's a really great place for that kind of decompression. No, it, it is, and, and like I said, they've they have always treated us very nicely. Whether we're stumbling in at one minute before close, or uh, I think we were early the last time we were meeting down there, you know, mm -hmm. everybody kind of coming in from out of town, and um, they were you know just just as nice getting kind of getting the doors open as well. So, uh, but going on to what you said about how to get there, 
I am a hundred percent certain I could not find my way the shortest route from one place to another in that town. I, it doesn't matter where I'm going. It doesn't matter if I've been there before. I will, I will drive past something I just drove past. It <laughs> never fails. And you might as well forget about using like ways or whatever, no, you know, because no, it has no idea. It has no idea. Because you're still going straight, and then it's like, oh, recalculating. You're like, what the hell? <laughs> I was like, it never even told me to turn. And then recalculating. I'm like, shut up. Oh, it's oh, a yeah. complete bleep show, just trying to, it, it, especially in the dark, because you don't, it's, oh. it's you know, it's a 120-year-old village um, designed to be walked or with horse-drawn carriages, it, you know, from Frederick Law Olmsted, landscape architect, um, you know, everything pretty, everything melding with nature. Well, you know what nature doesn't do? Straight. No, no, no hard corner, no four corner intersections. Um, but yes, full throated. And full inevitably, there's somebody following me, too. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm always <laughs> driving, and there's always somebody, and I'm like, I'm taking you the wrong way. I just can't stop following me. I don't know why you're following me. So. So what about well, real quick? What about the last day we were down there? On, I think I was on the first trip, and um, and we we got all turned around. Matt, you were driving. It was when we had uh, the new van, right? Yeah. New van, <laughs> and we went down through. We took a wrong turn. And we pass some lady jogging, and we go down around, we make a couple turns and come back, and we pass the same there lady she is. jogging. And <laughs> yep. I'm like, I watch her go by, and I think it was Jared is like, hey, another jogger. It's like, same jogger. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I said a word, Fred. I'm pretty sure I didn't say one thing. You, you guys would have been better off just to parked and followed her wherever she was going. Yeah, yeah that would have. <laughs> I think that's what she's is, afraid of. This is at eight in the morning. This is not eight thirty. Whatever it is, like this is not in dark. It's not. There's no earthly reason why I should not be able to get from point A to point B, which is like six blocks away. Nope. <laughs> yeah, we're talking Some about a total random, square area of like two miles. Yeah. Some right. random minivan drive by with three dudes in it, watch this, <laughs> look at her as she drives by. Yeah, she was just, yeah, she wanted us to follow her somewhere. Right, yeah. <laughs> that's not, that's not, yeah. You know, from the from the ultimate treat you like a local place at Dugan's um, to the Holly Inn, which is another place that we frequented that um, in the era of COVID was very friendly. It has a massive patio, or they had retrofitted, I guess, to have lots of patio seating um, with, with code-compliant space. And that... That struck me as a really, really just nice place to people watch and relax and take your time. Um, big full menu, if I recall. Again, we're sandwich people, uh, maybe a salad now and then. Um, but just to, uh, you know, almost prototypical, the atmosphere you would get on the back porch of a club, almost. Uh, which is, you know, if you're there on a golf trip, is just such a perfect setting. Um outdoor fire pits umbrellas you know patio tables um did, did you guys have any overriding memories or thoughts there i sure that that has to be in the future rotation uh for trips down there uh, i i'll go ahead matt um no, i thought it was i thought it was perfect when you know i i have this kind of mindset and we've kind of talked about in the past of what pinehurst is right pinehurst has that kind of that history that that 
old that old feel to it, right? When mm-hmm. when I say, hey, we're going to go down there, I'm thinking about like pine needles and you know Pinehurst number two and and those things and 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 that setting that they have there at the at the end and on that patio just just completely embodied that, right? right. I mean, you walk out, it's the it's it, even down to the the brick. Uh, patio itself it's a little uneven you know you get a feeling that you know it was laid out 200 years ago i mean 200 years is a little far but far back but i mean it just it just felt like that's where we should have been you know on that trip that's where we should have been we we unfortunately had to be in like two different tables but you know we're all we're all sitting there we're, we're having you know something cold to drink uh whatever that might be they had a great selection of local stuff there. The food was awesome in my in my book, yes. but the it was second to you know the uh, I don't know I don't know what the, the ambiance isn't what I'm looking for, but just just the setting and the feel of everything with the lights and you know the 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 yeah, people per- sitting around us. Yeah, the perfect place for the sun to go down. We got there during daylight, and it was dark by the time we left, and it was yeah. just perfect. Yeah, totally agree. Well, uh, and and the food wasn't just wasn't just like you know, oh, it's nice, it's fine, it's good. like there. If I remember correctly, it, it, Fred, at your guys' table, there was something that three or four of you guys ordered and were just raving about. And I'm pretty sure I licked my plate when I was done. Whatever, I had something, something classic Southern that they did really well. Um, it had you know greens on it and, and whatever else, and it was it was phenomenal. Yeah, we had some kind of like pepper goat, jack, yeah, some, yeah ghost pepper, pepper jack burger mm-hmm. yeah. with a little barbecue some on it. Some other mm-hmm. kind of yeah, some aioli, I believe, is the yeah. right word that was in there. And just just mentioning, um, you know, I want to go back to my friend Matt here saying that, you know, he had something southern and licked the licked the plate. Um, I've been I've been out to eat multiple times with Matt Cheney, and I have never met another person that that probably would order the same things that my grandparents would order if they were going out. <laughs> I believe Matt got like fried chicken, mashed potatoes, and greens. I believe was about right. it, was, it was something like yep. that. And I mean, yep. we've gone places before, and he's gotten stuff, and I'm like, man, he's I looked the, twice to see if that was my grandpa. He's the one that took us to Frankenmuth. Don't forget, That's don't right. ever uh, forget. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I was down in Charleston. I got chicken livers. You know. <laughs> see. <laughs> what was that bread that you had to get when we were at Frankenmuth that looked the like stolen. a Christmas tree? Yes. I, stolen. Yeah. yeah it's stolen. That's, yeah. We get my my mother in law's maiden name is Reshoff. So yes, I know about stolen. Every Christmas it shows up. It's delicious. Don't yep. help him, Dave. <laughs> it's like granola in bread form. That's right. <laughs> you know there are there are places to grab a drink or a bite at Pinehurst. Um, you know the Deuce, a uh, little tavern, I guess, right there off the back porch of the the Pinehurst Clubhouse, uh, right across from the Pro Shop, which is how that's not the busiest, highest grossing Pro Shop in America, not named the Masters Pro Shop, but I'll never know. Um, the place is always jam packed, but uh, for that's the one experience, I guess, and. and I've not spent much time in there. I know Fred was in there, I think, while you were one group, or I guess you were the lead group, so you might have been able to hang out in there a little bit. But 
the one experience we really haven't done at Pinehurst is to go walk number four, walk number two, and then go in there and grab grab something cold and just chill on the the rocking chairs and tell all our stories right there. That's the one why we've saved that for last. Well, because we love the cradle and we love uh, you know the pine cone and set on the bets on the the thistle dew, which is that's just been our thing. But um, you know this this may be a three act play just because we haven't done kind of that experience where we just soak it in. Um, it looks like it'd be cool now. Fred, maybe maybe the deuce is nice enough that we'd want to stay in there in the air conditioning. I don't know. Um, you you tell me. Uh, from the time that I was in there, the only way I can describe it is it's a it's a proper golf course bar, right? I mean, when I what I mean by that is they have they have the table set up. There's TVs. Um, it's got that you know I believe. Uh, the carpet they have carpeting in there that um is golf themed of mm-hmm. course right um you got all the wood you know the wood paneling um and all of the the whole one wall is nothing but um glass and doors right so you're looking out on that 18 of number two and you have all of the windows and um so it was a it was a proper place to go in, settle, throw some scorecards on the uh, on the table. Somebody, you know, do the math, pay up, and have a couple uh, cold drinks with your buddies. So that was um, that was uh, that was what I took from it. I, I I felt like it was a very comfortable place to be. I think that's the vibe they're going for. Comfortable. It's it, at the cradle of American golf. I mean, it's you're not going to find a more laid back area. Come as you are, play as you are, have fun, come back. And that's got to – it may not be in the literature, but that's got to be the mantra. Um, as far as uh, – wanted to circle back on this. We learned some fun information, and it's all public. I'm not breaking any news here. But the Dormy Club, uh, which is the – is either the flagship or one of the flagships of the Dormy Network, um, which is really is a, an incredible little collection of courses um, – we have been able to gain access through uh, Tobacco Road Travel, the the travel agency side of the Tobacco Road Golf Course or Golf Club, I should say. That is supposed to be going away. What we learned on our visit, and I followed up with a, a friend down there to confirm it, is that by early spring or mid-spring of this year, they're going from private with restricted access like us where we could make – you know, we were one of, what, four or five groups – uh, there when we were there in December, you know, perfectly playable weather. There's just no one there. To they are going full private for a couple of years, uh, so schlubs like us won't be able to have access without a member, or at least a, a member vouching for us. And then I think the plan is after that, a, a year or two after that, it will only be uh, accessible by members who stay on property. Now, Matt, what you didn't see. Um, is that they have dropped, I want to say it was when they filed for building permits, it was 12 or $13 million of cabins. Um, they've torn down the pro shop that was there when you were there in 2018. Right. It's gone. It's been replaced by three buildings, a, a pro, almost the Scottish model, a proper pro shop. And these were all under construction when we were there a couple of months ago. A, a pro shop where I assume you'll check in, buy shirts, souvenirs, all of that. Um a member clubhouse, separate facility, I'm assuming a locker room, something like that, and then a 
member dining hall, which for me, I think like Viking dinner or, you know, something from yeah. medi- medieval times, big, big, long tables where you can throw food at each other. Um, but then all of these two and three bedroom cottages are planted all over the property and they, they look nice. Our, our friend that is a builder, you know, kind of took, ventured over and took a, a pretty close look, but I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this because th- I've been thinking about it since our most recent trip down there. To play Pinehurst number two, number four, or the cradle, you either have to stay. You can you can make a reservation when you book your room at the Pinehurst Resort, or you can call 24 hours ahead and try to get a tea time. Those are the those are the two ways to get access. If you're making your clientele that you're you know, dormy network, I assume, is angling for a pretty high-end clientele because the thought is that you'll come, you'll stay on property, you'll get bespoke everything, custom meals, um, order whatever you want, they'll cook it. It'll be a five-star experience, bring it to you. Um, so, but you have to, if you have to stay on property to be able to play dormy, would you, would you, would that really interest you unless they had some kind of backdoor deal with the Pinehurst Resort because the the reason people are coming there in the first place is to be around Pinehurst. I mean, that's the drop. I love the other courses. We have we have made two trips out of non-Pinehurst courses, save for our cradle and, and number one experiences. But just as a business model, I'm still wrapping my head around that of why you'd want to restrict your clientele and say, you've got to stay here and not there, which is going to put pressure on their ability to have the number two or number four experience. I love the Dormy Club course. It's a great course. But if I were in that if I were in that golf travel bracket, it's just not it's not connecting for me. It, it, an interesting choice, I guess is how I would look at it. I I thought about that, you know, they they were still tossing I think some of these ideas around when we were there, you know, when I went back in what was it, 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of thought about it then, and I don't know that my opinions changed very much. I look at it as if that area has so much to offer. And it's almost like if you were, if you were to go that route, right? If you, if you decide you're going to be a, a member of Dormy and you're going to, you, which means you have to stay there, I, I think it's going to limit the amount that you do much of anything else around there. And again, it's, you know, maybe somebody who's in a different place than I am wants to, you know, go and unwind and, you know, play a little bit and that type of thing. But you know how our, how our trips are, we're, we're jamming, we're jamming everything in there from sunup to sundown, Right. you know, talking, talking about getting, finally getting to a meal at one minute before close. (laughs) So the, you know, the, the idea of kind of, well, this is, this is what you're going to do and this is all you're going to do. And it's not at Pinehurst. There's, you know, a whole bunch of courses there. So if you want to do, you know, you want to stay there and do two and four, and then, you know what, you're going to go out for a, a, a late night round out at whatever, three or, you know, one or whatever, there's it, it. I think it's a different. I think it's a different experience. And and who knows? I mean, God bless them. I hope it works out for them. Because like I said, I do. I do enjoy the course. And and you know, don't have anything bad to say. But I found it curious. Also, I found it to be 
I don't know who this, I don't know who this market is. I honestly don't. I don't know what, I don't, I don't know who, who looks at that and goes, you know, I don't know. It's like you said, curious, I think is the word. What I assume is that it's a second membership for people. You know, they've got, they've got some great courses in their portfolio. Dormy club, Ballyhack, um, Victoria national over in Evansville is the closest one to me. Um, Sure. Uh, Hidden Creek, Arbor Links. So these are, are high-quality places. Just my idea of a golf trip is just different. You know, this would be – now, there's a cynic in me that says, okay, boys, these aren't inexpensive memberships. But, hey, why don't we pony up? Everybody chips in a little bit. I'll take the membership. Don't worry. I'll I'll, I'll handle all the administration and all the trouble. You'll and take that bullet for us? I, 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 will, I will jump right on that grenade, good guy that I yeah. am. Uh-huh. And and so we'll have a membership, and then we can, you know, if they can, if I get one cabin with membership, but surely I could get two occasionally, and we could all just go and use that as base camp in Virginia at Valley Hack and in North Carolina. It, it, yeah, okay. So may, maybe one of you guys could stay at Pinehurst and and get a couple of tea times, and and we could really, you know, maybe we're looking at this all wrong. I don't know. You, you know conference you can do corporate events that i know victoria national the the corporate retreat is is a part of that business model so who knows maybe maybe we're looking at this wrong and and basically fred you owe me five hundred dollars that's typically how some of these golf trips (laughs) trips have ended anyway so um um well to to kind of answer answer your original question before the five hundred dollar question um, I don't see I don't see how the way the way Dormy Club is laid out right now how that how the how that would work. Um, I don't think that there's enough there to for folks to go and say, "Yep, yeah, I'm going to stay here for a couple of days and I'm going to play." You know, I'm going to play Dormy Club three or four times. I don't know. I don't know if that would appeal to me. Um, now again, it's fine course, right? I mean, I, I really enjoy it, but I don't think that's what it is. Um, now is it, is it where you can go? Could you drive to tobacco road? Could you go to mid pines? Could you do all those other things? Yes. But dormy club is not really convenient to those places. I mean, it's not relatively close, is it? Uh, relative. I mean, it's, it's 10 miles from downtown Pinehurst, and it, it kind of triangulates. It's the opposite direction or, or mm-hmm. at best from um, 90 degrees from the, southern, the town of Southern Pines. You know, the membership there makes sense. I get that. It, to be able to go have a place that you can always get a tea time while you're in Pinehurst, no problem with that. It's the, the stay-and-play aspect just kind of like that's – you just can't get there. Again, well, it, it doesn't – it doesn't have other facilities though, right? Like, you know, there's, there's, it, it's a golf only facility, right? It's a, it's park your car, go to your, you know, have somebody carry your, your stuff to your cabin, you know, pick, pick out your tea time for the next day, have a good dinner with your friends that is, you know, have a five star meal brought to you or in the dining hall, check in with your buddies, play a couple of times on a, a, a good day and, and kind of have that. I know some people that are, are Dormy Network members, and they seem to absolutely love it. Um, it just – as the membership is evolving, uh, as I understand it, maybe I've got something wrong, but um, 
it's just a, a model that I'm sure I'm going to miss Dormy Club. <laughs> I like that golf course. <laughs> Dormy Club really is a special treat. We've been treated like family on our two visits. The good side of the family that you're excited to see, not the crazy side of the family that you dread. So I can only imagine how lovely the member experience is and what that'll be like in the future. It's a course that you ought to play if you get the opportunity, and if you do, don't fuss about the numbers you scribble on the scorecard. Just enjoy the golf course in the incredibly serene setting. And if you're planning on visiting Pinehurst, it's hard to go wrong on where to eat or hang out. Dugan's and the Holly Inn are the perfect speed for our group, places where tourists are made to feel like old friends. And with that, thanks for stopping by for this episode of the Blind Shots Podcast. Head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review for the show. Each time someone leaves a five-star rating for this piped baby draw of a podcast, the average distance of that person's made putts increases a full four feet. I hope you've enjoyed what you've heard here today. If you didn't like what you heard, sorry about that. I can't do anything about it now, but I will try to do better next time. I promise. And I hope you will join me again next time here on the Blind Shots Podcast. But most importantly... Hope you're being safe and smart and keeping sane out there. Enjoy daydreaming and planning your golf trips for the upcoming seasons. They'll be here before you know it. And when you do get out on the golf course, do decide to go for it and take dead aim. You do you do a fine impression of a dot matrix printer, Fred. Not doing it again. You got me once. Shame on you. Do it twice. Shame on me. It might be my favorite part, frankly. <laughs>